It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. And it's live from Rochdale. Get used to it. In Washington, President Joe Biden green lights the mother of all massacres imminent in the little town of Rafa, which one day will live forever in infamy in the history of modern times. And at the Nasser Hospital in Khan Yunis, a total emergency now exists as the eminent doctors inside are threatened with imminent death by artillery fire in a hospital by the world's most moral army. And in Britain, the British Labour Party literally implodes day by day, hour by hour, in an anti-Semitism scandal entirely of their own making. And here in Rochdale, my opponents are going down like nine pins. I mean, literally going down like no longer in the election. And more to come, I'll warrant. Get your seatbelt strapped in tightly. It's going to be a bumpy night because this is the mother of all talk shows. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Joe Biden keeps claiming that he's at the end of his tether uh, with his mate, Benjamin Netanyahu. He keeps leaking to the press that he is increasingly uneasy about the assault on Rafa. Where is Rafa? It's right on the border between Palestine and Egypt. It has a gate between Egypt and thus the outside world and Gaza. I myself have passed through it on dozens of occasions. So have many people in Britain, not the least of them on convoys with me and with the editor of this program who have taken siege-breaking convoys through that gate many times. It is a town of 150,000 people except now 1.9 million people are living there, although living is a moot point. Many of them are now dying there. Those that are not yet dead are living on the ground, in the water, in the sewage water, amongst the dogs, the cats and the rats. 1.9 million people living as now thrice or four times displaced people cascading around, a tiny area, 25 miles long, and uh, its narrowest, five miles wide, being ordered from the north to the south, from the south to the east to the west, being moved around as if they were inanimate objects. But they are people. 70% of them are women and children. Just think about that. Just the same as the uh, death toll, the casualty toll, Now well over 100,000 people in Gaza, around 5% now of the entire population of the Strip are either dead, mutilated, wounded, or missing under the rubble. And when I say wounded, that might suggest that there was a chance that they could be treated. But of the 36 hospitals in Gaza, none are now entirely operative, and only 14 are operating at all. The hospitals have been bombed, besieged, blown up. And the latest is the Nasser Hospital in Khan Yunus. That's the place the Palestinians were told to go to and be safe. It's now completely demolished. The hospital is under siege. Artillery fire is raining down on the hospital and eminent, internationally eminent surgeons and doctors are begging people to contact them somehow by some means so that they can talk to the world about a situation literally of genocide which they are facing. The patients, the doctors, 
The nurses have nowhere to run, have nowhere to hide. Their hospital is being demolished all around them. But in Rafa, the situation is even more dire because these 1.9 million people are literally being bombed in their tents, those of them lucky enough to have tents. Inside the tents, uh, the children are sleeping in water. There's water, water everywhere, but there's not a drop to drink because the water is contaminated and unable, unfit for human consumption. Lying in a tent in water with your family, your children, maybe even your grandchildren too, uh, you are waiting for the bombs to drop upon you, destroy your tent, destroy your family. Many tens of thousands have no tent and are literally living on the cold earth in which they might soon be laid. The artillery fire now raining down on them is matched by naval firepower firing on them from sea, air power and land power and sea power against 1.9 million people, refugees, refugees entitled to the protection of the international community, protection of which there is none. President Macron of France said today uh, that Israel must cease and desist its assault on Rafa, but he didn't add or else, because there is no or else. It's just wind and maturation. It's just words. They say they're concerned. Cameron, Macron, Biden, all of them keep saying they're concerned, but there's no or else. None of them will do anything, not even demand an immediate ceasefire and the withdrawal of the besieging Israeli forces from the territory, let alone force Israel to accept its international obligations under the Oslo agreements to allow the uh, existence, the creation of a Palestinian state. Remember, if you're old enough, 30 years ago when this was signed on the White House lawn, mind you, the then Prime Minister of Israel, Yitzhak Rabin, was then murdered by Netanyahu's supporters. And they didn't just murder Rabin, they murdered the peace process and the Oslo agreements. These Western governments, who are all so concerned, how could you not be in front of your own electorate, front of your own courts? And whatever happened to the International Court of Justice, which said that plausibly Israel was committing genocide? Do you know how strong a word genocide is or should be? Nothing has been done to enforce that judgment of the International Court of Justice. Israel is still in the Eurovision Song Contest, still in European Football Championship, still in FIFA, still in the World Cup, still competing with its flag in international tennis competitions. And worse than all of that, Israel is still receiving bombs, missiles, shells, aircraft parts from the United States of America. Israel is still receiving billions of dollars from the United States of America. It is still receiving intelligence overflights by the Royal Air Force of the United Kingdom flying out of Cypriot territory, which Britain claims is its sovereign territory in the airbase at Akrotiri. These intelligence overflights are guiding the bombs down on the Palestinian refugees in Gaza. Although what intelligence you need to do that is, of course, again, a moot point. But back to Joe Biden. He keeps saying he's very, very uneasy about this attack on Rafa, but he confirmed in the last day that there will be no sanction upon Israel if they do not do, as Biden asked them to do, to conduct their assault on Rafa in a way that does not damage innocent civilian population. Well, of course, there's no way to avoid the damaging of the innocent civilian population. Bombs don't discriminate between the political stripe of the people amongst whom the bombs are falling. There is no way of softly assaulting a tent city of 1.9 million people. 
But when you tell Netanyahu in advance that whatever it is that you're going to do, there will be no sanction upon you for what it is you're about to do, and which has already started at the edges and now is moving towards the denouement. If you tell the savage assailant that you will not punish him in any way, if he does what you say you don't want him to do, then, of course, that constitutes a green light. Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, opposition leader in Britain, never mind Sunak, he's a wolf. Starmer is a fox. The fox looks like it's smiling. Makes you think it might be your friend, but the intention, of course, of both is entirely the same. They intend to eat you. Keir Starmer, a human rights lawyer, a king's counsel, the highest echelon of British lawyers, has still not said one single word about the judgment of the International Court of Justice two weeks ago that his friends, and no bigger friend of Israel, exists even in the British Parliament. Although, by the way, six, eight years ago, I was in a room when he was on the platform calling for Israel to be kicked out of football because of its racism. Funny how eight years can change things, but no greater friend of Israel exists in the British Parliament than Sir Keir Starmer, but he has not been able to say a word about the ICJ ruling. Starmer said on television, we all saw his lips move, that Israel had the right to cut off electricity and water to 2.3 million people, refugees entitled to international protection, that they had the right to cut off water and electricity, even though, unless he's fooling us and he's not a king's counsel, he must have known that they had no such right at all, that such actions are explicitly illegal under international law, under the laws of war, under the Nuremberg tribunals, under the Geneva Conventions. All of these things are declared specifically, explicitly illegal, but Keir Starmer, the leader of the so-called Labour Party, said that Israel was entitled to do so. Well, his party is now imploding. Let me tell you from a Rochdale perspective, this show, get used to it, is coming live from Rochdale. The Labour Party had a candidate against me. I was already beating him, beating him soundly. But there's no Labour candidate anymore. Labour has withdrawn from the election, even though this is a Labour seat has been a Labour seat for decades, even though Labour controls the city council. They no longer have a candidate in the highest profile by-election for many, many years, probably since the last one I beat them in, in 2012 in Bradford West. I can tell you that without equivocation because I've spent the day being besieged by media wanting to interview me about this by-election. It's very high profile indeed and the official opposition don't have a candidate. How? Why? Because a secret recording emerged of the Labour candidate making remarks which he described, not me, he described in his mother of all apologies as soon as the recording was broken by a British newspaper. His remarks were ugly, ignorant, stupid, inflammatory, and unwise, and were entirely false. His knees were sore, but for an entire day, for an entire news cycle, the Labour Party accepted his apology because they knew that if they didn't, I was waiting in the wings to be the elected Member of Parliament here in Rochdale. But it soon became clear that they were unable to hold that line because Keir Starmer came to power in the Labour Party, blaming his predecessor for presiding over a culture of anti-Semitism. And Corbyn was kicked out of the Labour Party by his successor, imagine. And Corbyn's allies were kicked out of the Labour Party by his successor. And thousands of people were expelled 
were suspended from the Labour Party because of their association with Jeremy Corbyn and his alleged culture of anti-Semitism. Now, of course, the anti-Semitism was a scam. What they meant was anti-Israelism. What they meant was criticism of Israel. And what Corbyn should have done is exactly what I'm doing, which is to say unequivocally, never retreat from it, don't budge an inch. Anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism are two entirely different things. And if you mix them up, you run the risk of anti-Semites getting in under the fence. Because if everybody is called an anti-Semite, well, have you ever heard of the boy who cried wolf? The wolf was real. Anti-Semitism is real. But if you accuse mild-mannered Jeremy Corbyn of being an anti-Semite, then you might as well say everybody who has any criticism of Israel to make is an anti-Semite. And even my Labour opponent, who's been forced out of the race in the published broadcast, he may have said other things. Some people say he did. And if he did, let's see them. Let's hear them. And if he said anything anti-Semitic, let's condemn what he said and condemn him for saying it. But in the published account of what he said, which was stupid, false, ignorant, and all the other things I said, there was no anti-Semitism at all. It was a stupid conspiracy theory that Israel had deliberately allowed the attack on October 7th to happen and brought about the destruction of hundreds of Israeli citizens. That's wrong. It's untrue. It's definitely inflammatory. It's incendiary. It's ignorant. It's false. But it's not anti-Semitic because to attack Netanyahu's government is not anti-Semitism. It's anti-Netanyahuism. It's anti-Israelism. And then the next night, they suspended yet another Labour MP and candidate in a nearby constituency for comments he made at the same meeting that my Labour opponent was secretly recorded. This fellow is a Blairite called Graham Jones. He has supported Keir Starmer's line of cutting off water and electricity. Publicly, he has done so. He is recorded saying the two words, fucking Israel, and saying that people who go from Britain to fight for the Israeli armed forces and then come back to Britain should be locked up. He said that it was illegal for them to do so. It actually isn't, but ought to be illegal. But again, his published remarks are not anti-Semitic. It's not anti-Semitic to say the words fucking Israel. It's not anti-Semitic to say that people who go and fight for a foreign army should be locked up and put on trial on their return. I never thought I'd end up defending Graham Jones, whom I loathe with every fiber of my being. But what he said was not anti-Semitic at all. Now a third guy, third MP in the south of England is up on a similar charge. A councillor, councillor dad in Lancashire is under threat of suspension uh, for, for the same thing. Look, why don't we suspend all candidates in all parties, in all elections, until Israel approves them? Is that the democracy we want? And we have to ask ourselves, why is the entire political class in Britain in thrall to a tiny little country, 2,200 miles away from here, and nothing can be said by anybody here which they don't like. What is it? What hold is it that this little country has on our politics in Western countries? We all know in America it's about money, but the sums of money here in Britain are paltry. By American standards, you'd laugh. You can only spend about 14,000 pounds in a general election in one constituency. 
Are these people enthralled to Israel for three, four, or 5,000 pounds, in which case they're precious cheap? If other lobbyists knew how cheap they were, they, they, they'd be moving in and getting a piece of the action. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know why they are so terrified of Israel that they're ready to sack their own candidates in the middle of a by-election when I am breathing down their neck. That's how scared of Israel they are. And when this is all over, and I fully anticipate it will be over with a couple of new letters after my name, we have to ask ourselves how, why, when British politics became effectively outsourced to Netanyahu's Israel, whose pleasure or displeasure dictates who can stand, who can win, who can be elected, and what policy they can follow. Now, I've already gone over my time. First, there were 11 candidates against me. The Green Party first fell over Islamophobic tweets that would turn your hair white if you read them and which showed the level of due diligence the Greens employed in picking their candidate against me. The Labour candidate has fallen and a third candidate may very well fall. At this rate, I'll have nobody to beat on the 29th of February. And some of you fools say, there's no God. It's the mother of all talk shows. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. The first guest this evening has been a friend of mine for 40 years. He's a refugee. He was a refugee in Gaza, and now he's a refugee in Britain, though I suspect they've let him in and he's a British citizen now. He happens to be the Arab world's preeminent journalist and broadcaster. Please welcome Barry Atwan. Abdul Barry, welcome uh, to the show again tonight. All joking aside, uh, your people face uh, the gravest possible uh, circumstances. Tell us first of all about Rafa, uh, what's happening there, and what the worst case scenario is. You know, uh, Brother George, uh, to be honest, uh, my family now residing in Rafah. You know, I was born in a refugee camp there, as you know. And I'm extremely worried because the Israelis are threatening to actually bomb Rafah and maybe kill, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people there because they don't want the Palestinians alive to be alive. And they want to force them to actually immigrate to Sinai in Egypt, which is nothing to do with Sinai, nothing to do with Egypt. So uh, people are, to be honest, starving. There is a famine now in Rafah. You know, I was told by you know, my friends and my family there that people collapse in the streets because they haven't eaten for three days, four days, two days. So, and especially children, there is no milk for the children at all. This is the, you know, the, the Israeli mercy, you know, this uh, most... Uh, uh, Westernized state on the Middle East, so it is. It is very, very dreadful situation. 
people they don't know where to go you know have i you know uh, where they where they want to actually send them now okay they send us from as dude our uh, hometown to uh, gaza and then now they want to send us well, they don't know to egypt that egypt is closing the border completely and why should they take us you know and uh, so i think the next trip uh, no the next day evacuation will be to the moon maybe to the gibraltar who knows because they don't know what to do with the palestinian and unfortunately britain is supporting this kind of uh, atrocities by the israeli and uh, the same thing happened in the united states until now we haven't heard a single word from biden after four months of massacre genocide ethnic cleansing we haven't heard from him one word that stopped the the war stopped fighting the ceasefire never never they said that this is the head of the liberal uh, world that this is the champion of uh, human rights values so people honestly people in in, in rafa you know, they don't have water they don't have electricity they don't have uh, food even animal food is not available now they finished it the, and there is no any aids have you heard brother george have you heard in any war you know they bombed hospitals have you heard of that you know they, they, have you heard that they stopped all uh, you know um, all shipments of uh, medical uh, needed by these hospitals have you heard of ch- little children operated at you know without any any kind of anesthetic this is happening in gaza and the last thing which i want to refer to you know you talked about united nation organization onor for example i was born in as i said in a refugee camp and i was educated in onor school i was uh, treated on onor hospitals i was actually fed by onor uh, human aids so now you know suddenly the israeli they want to kick onorwa out of gaza and what about the people how you know they they want people to start that people go and took refuge to onorwa schools onorwa hospitals hoping that this is united nation organization and this building will protect them they thought the israeli wouldn't go you know that that down and go and bomb schools and the people who took refuge in schools and hospitals so situation honestly is very bad how the international community how the western world the world of uh, human rights uh, values how they accept people to starve to death in gaza and there are more than 2000 vans of uh, human aids waiting at the other side of the border in, in the egyptian territory why they don't allow them to get in why you know united states don't say you know who are talking about human rights to say that these should enter and those people should not die of uh, famine so this but it doesn't happen at all you know there is no school for children no food for children no treated no milk no safety there is no place which is safe now in any part of gaza strip they kill them journalists about 150 journalists were massacred by the israeli because they don't tend to know the international community to know what is happening in gaza this kind of massacre which is taking place this is a brief uh, you know characterization of our brief picture of what is happening in my refugee camp and all refugee camps in in gaza and gaza is the biggest refugee camps in the world the um, some of the viewers will be wondering why these 2000 trucks uh outside the border lined up along the road many kilometers of trucks uh are not uh allowed to go in why egypt doesn't open the gate and allow them in is the reason because israel would bomb the trucks if they went in without israeli approval yes they did they did bomb the trucks before and they did uh, bomb actually egypt uh, uh, sort of uh, monitoring tower and uh, egypt uh, doesn't want to fight a war with the israeli because egypt is a very drastic economical situation but i think when it reaches to this stage i think there will be a war you know because the israeli would like to uh, the, uh, occupy philadelphia uh, corner or philadelphia actually border between gaza and egypt uh, 
and in order to actually suffocate the Palestinian people, the Gazan people, or you know, replace them again, send them to Sinai. So it is it is very dangerous. Egypt warned the Israeli that if you do this, actually, we will freeze Camp David Agreement, peace, so-called peace agreement. And actually, if you occupy this uh, border line, we will fight you. We wouldn't let you in. So they are actually humiliating everybody there. And they are seeking wars. And they why they are doing this? Because they are 100% sure the Americans are supporting them. This is, you know, Biden supporting them. That who actually said, you know, sent uh, tanks, sent warplanes, sent uh, ammunition to Israel, who sent $17 billion immediately to Israel. It is Biden and his government. So they are 100% sure that the American will be on their side. And they are the American encouraging them to massacre people, to actually ethnic cleansing them. And this is this is the problem. Yeah, it is, you know, all the problems in the Middle East because of the Israeli aggression. You know, Middle East without Israel will be in peace. You know, they are, you know, they are used by the American in order to destabilize the whole region. Why? Because I don't know. Is it racism? We don't know. It is uh, yeah, hatred. We don't know. So, but it is it is without the American, without the British, without I mean I talk about the government, without uh, you know the Western world, Israel wouldn't be actually that aggressive. They would it wouldn't be able to commit all these kind of crimes and uh, you know uh, ethnic cleansing. So this is the problem. I'm you know to be honest, George, let me just half a half a minute. You know when I came to this country, it was a pleasant. It was a pleasant country. It was freedom of, of expression used to be in its best. You know, imagine that. I am everybody talking about Rafah. Everybody talk about Gaza. And I'm from Rafah. I'm from Gaza. I used to be actually, you know, 24 hours at the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, uh, CNN. Imagine that. Nobody called me to listen to my other side, the other side story at all. And they know Barry Atman very well. I used to, 45 years, I used to vote for the Labour Party because this Labour Party used to be with the oppressed people. And twice I didn't, you know, I wouldn't. One, I didn't when Tony Blair, your friend, was there. And then now when Steinmar, Steinmar is there, simply because I cannot believe this is the Labour Party which I voted for all my life. And I, I also I took my children to vote for them. So, I, I, what what is happening to this country? What is happening? I'm I'm surprised. You know, they used to be very kind. They used to be very nice to us. You know, especially the Palestinians. They understand our problem. They understand our suffering. But now, when you say to them, it is famine. I don't know the government, the, the conservative government now. They do nothing but supporting the Israeli massacres against my people, against my family. 30 of my family and relatives are killed, bombed uh, by the Israeli Jews until now. And I don't know if they bomb Rafah again, you know, because most of my family, most of my relatives are in Rafah now. You know, I, I may lose 100, 200 people of my family and also the children. The, you know, old people, um, women. So uh, why the world is silent about this? Why they, they know there is a famine there? And also uh, what amazed me, you know, United States, when they cut off all their financial aid to UNRWA, the, the United Nations organization, which is helping the refugee in Palestine, they cut uh, Britain the same. And other countries, France, the same. Why did you cut it off? They said, you know, they believe the Israeli. When the Israeli said that, you know, some of those UNRWA staff are cooperating with Hamas. And they did not, you know, submit one proof that those UNRWA uh, staff are co cooperating with Hamas. Until now, UNRWA is saying, where are your proof? But American, uh, British, French, all they believe them immediately, and they cut off the, all the uh, human aids. Which, which means, by the end of this month, you know, it will be bankrupt completely. No, you know, they prevent all food to come even under the banner of UNRWA to Gaza Strip. So it is famine. It is unbelievable. And uh, to be honest, uh, brother George, I am really, really shocked. And I, I can't sleep, to be honest. You know, when the phone rings and I see Gaza number, you know, uh, I, I really uh, shiver. 
because I know there will be bad, uh, bad news. Your cousin is killed, your uh, nephew killed, your uh, relative killed. So this is the problem. They, uh, unbelievable. You're, nobody is paying attention to this human tragedy. And they are saying anti-Semitic. If I criticize Israel, say Israel is uh, barbaric and killing my relative and my brothers and my sister, oh, Barry Atwan is anti-Semitism. He should not appear on the BBC. He should not appear on ITV. He should not appear in Channel 4. He is, oh, no, no, he's wicked. He is criticizing Israel. So imagine that. You know, I used to write for The Garden. I used to write for Daily Mail. I used to write Daily Mirror. You know, you know they begged me to write for them. Nobody say hello. I don't care. But, you know, at least they shouldn't support massacres against my own people in, in Gaza. Very powerful indeed, Abdel Barry Atwan. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. That interview will live long, I suspect. I'll be right back. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now, Aza Winstanley is a celebrated investigative journalist and podcaster. His work is uh, of the first rank, and he's an expert on labor and Israel. So he's the best place, man, to answer my question asked rhetorically earlier, why, Isawin Stanley, why are labor so obsessed with Israel? That's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I, I was listening to some of the discussion with the callers earlier in your program, George. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a big question. I mean, there, there's a long history of this, as um, you alluded to. Um, and I I get into some of it in my book, uh, Weaponizing Antisemitism, which is about the, the Jeremy Corbyn period and how antisemitism was weaponized against that movement during Jeremy Corbyn's leadership of the Labour Party. But it's got actually a much longer history than that. You know, the, it, it can go right back to the um, conception of Zionism as really uh, a, a specific form of uh, a certain strand of evangelical Christianity, um, whereby, it, it, and, it's, and it's really a kind of... Uh, an anti-Jewish uh, uh, theology, really, whereby uh, the Jews, quote-unquote, have to uh, uh, supposedly return to Palestine um, before the end times can come. And this, you know, evangelical Christianity doesn't have the political clout in this country that it does in the United States, um, but uh, it used to. It used to, you know, uh, ministers and prime ministers used to believe in uh, biblical literalism, a certain form of biblical literalism, and and uh, and, and so on and so forth, um, and so it it kind of starts there. There's a long history of it, and there's a long history of um, the Labour Party in its uh, really more colonial phase, in more its more colonial era, where it was um, not only supporting British imperialism around the world, but actually running uh, governments which ran British Empire around the world, as you know, George. Um, and so Labour, the Labour Party's support for Zionism is is part of that long kind of malign history. Um, but it's still, it's still, you know, that doesn't explain everything. You're right. You know, the, the discussion that you were having it, uh, earlier was interesting because you 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 raised the point of money and, you're, you know, you make a really good point about how the kinds of money that the Labour politicians have been basically bought for it's really it's nothing compared to the the, the money in it's American politics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 a really fair point. Like that, for example, uh, Keir Starmer, we know um, 
one of the people he was bought by was, I mean, not the only one, but one of the people who was bought by was Trevor Chin, who's a leading pro-Israel lobbyist, is known to fund many pro-Israel lobby groups such as Labour Friends of Israel, and that money went to his office. Um, I believe, though, it was only about £20,000, um, which, you know, exactly. it's not a small amount of money, but in, in terms of political campaigning, it's 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 not really very much. And so there must be more to it. And there, there's a lot that I think we don't know about. And, uh, you know, it, 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 a lot of it is to do with moral blackmail, you know, that we've seen this kind of witch hunt and hysteria uh, really dredged up against uh, the, the whole Corbyn era, against you yourself, as you well know, George, um, and against anyone who's really campaigned for the Palestinian rights. Um, in this country for many, many decades. And, uh, you know, the weaponization of anti-Semitism is really as old as the state of Israel itself. Um, and the irony that we're seeing now with the shambles in Rochdale, the Labour Party shambles in Rochdale, um, is that this anti-Semitism witch hunt that was mainly being prosecuted against the left and the Palestine Solidarity Movement within the Labour Party and outside the Labour Party over the last few years, has now even expanded to the Labour Party right. <laughs> you know, this is the irony that they've... The Blairites. Uh, your, yeah, the Blairites. And your uh, your Labour, your former Labour uh, um, opponent, who's now been suspended in Rochdale. I mean, I didn't agree with what he said, but it wasn't anti-Semitic. You know, there was, it was about... It was about his, I mean, look, he, he, I haven't heard the actual full tape of what he was alleged to have said. And, I've, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the the the, the Daily Mail um, misrepresented it somewhat. But, you know, as it was reported, I, I didn't agree with it. But it's it's about a state. It's about the state of Israel. You know, it's not about exactly Jews. As, as uh, and it's, what it, it's actually what many Israeli newspapers have yeah. themselves said. Uh, these newspapers like Haaretz and so on that are against Netanyahu, they've said similar yeah. things, and they are yeah, Israeli really. newspapers. Uh, but the, yeah, the New York the, Times had this a is a novel. Well, yeah. yeah, the New York Times also did. Yeah, uh, which is basically an Israeli newspaper, but that's another matter. <laughs> the, the, this new turn uh, is uh, is interesting. Me, is it just the case that they built a Frankenstein monster? Uh, around the uh, weaponization of anti-Semitism and it cannot now be stopped. Uh, why would someone like Graham Jones, uh, a man who refused to serve under Corbyn, who backed the cutting off of water and electricity in the Gaza, uh, who, according to Ed Balls, who should know uh, on uh, British television this morning, is definitely not anti-Israel, uh, now he's suspended. Uh, I mean, where does this stop? Can it be stopped? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, look, I mean, we're both laughing a bit. I mean, I can't help a little bit of schadenfreude. I mean, I, I, I was saying years ago on Twitter that, like, that not only will this go against kind of the weak, the weak part of the pro-Corbyn uh, left that kind of gave way to it, um, but it ultimately will end up going against the Labour Party right. And that's kind of what we're seeing played out now. And yeah, you're right. It's interesting. I mean, I think it is a, it is a kind of Frankenstein monster. It has a, it has a life of its own. Um, it's something that it seems like, um, you know, a, a few days, only a couple of days ago, they were saying, uh, for as her Ali, they would, um, the pro-Israel groups were saying, well, you know, it's not. It's bad what he said, but the alternative is this Galloway. So, <laughs> so we have to stand by it. But then it's it's got this life of its own, where by you know the the Labour Party uh, higher ups have made all these commitments to doing whatever the the Israel lobby says, um, the pro Israel uh, groups are be uh, are ordering them to do. And at this point, it is well, you know. He said something anti-Semitic, as they claim, although it's not. Um, and so they have to get rid of him. And it, yeah, it seems to have this own internal logic. And it kind of speaks to this issue of what you were saying before, uh, of uh, Israel is the attack dog of Western imperialism in a lot of ways, but 
it's exactly that question at what point does it become out of control and start to bite the hand that feeds a little bit and i think we're seeing a little bit of that in the labor party um at the moment yeah there there these secret recordings are of course uh um haunting other people uh, I, I can't give you details but another of my opponents is about to fall victim to uh, something similar um it, okay and in a way therefore uh, we are uh, we're in a situation where other people rather than the voters are picking the mp uh that's harmful mm. for democracy this uh, obsession isn't it yeah absolutely i mean this very similar process to what we saw through all the corbyn years where something would be leaked to a newspaper a right wing newspaper usually not always um, quite often the Jewish Chronicle, you know, the very pro-Israel uh, right-wing uh, newspaper, um, and uh, about somebody prominent who was perceived, who was or was either was or was perceived to to be close to Corbyn or pro-Corbyn figure in the party, um, that would then be uh, leaked to the press, leaked to the Jewish Chronicle, whoever got it, and then the Jewish Chronicle or whoever would then put that to... Um, the Labour Party and the Labour Party, instead of saying, you know, well, um, we don't comment on individual cases uh, uh, as they would do for other issues, um, perhaps, um, they uh, instantly suspend the people and say, well, you know, oh, this is very serious. And, uh, you know, there's going to be there's a suspension pending further investigation. And it would just it would have to be the very slightest form of criticism against Israel. Um, or, or even just it got to the end by the, and this you know again something I cover in a lot of detail in the book. But by the end, it got to the point where you, if you were just asking for evidence, like where's the evidence of this so-called institutional anti-Semitism, this systemic discrimination against Jewish people within the Labour Party? If you were asking for evidence of that, that in itself was said to be evidence of anti-Semitism, which is a crazy. Um, you know, Kafkaesque catch-22 situation. And it, it is really McCarthy. You know, it is dangerous. Like you said, it is really dangerous to democracy. It is, it, the people are not, like you said, the people are not choosing who's going to be the MPs, who's going to be the candidate for the MPs. There's these, um, you know, political and uh, media elites, essentially, that are, are choosing uh, who are going to be the candidates for MPs and who are going to be um, our political leaders. So, you know, it, it, it is a very, um, I hesitate to use the word, but it's, it's wicked, you know, it's a very wicked uh, in the old-fashioned sense of the word. It's, it's, it's a very, um, yeah. it's a very bad and evil process, really. Well, is I've been in politics a long time, as you know, uh, longer than you've been alive. I've been in, I was in Parliament <laughs> for almost thirty years. I recognise the era that you uh, described of uh, Labour's infatuation uh, with Zionism, with its evangelical mm. uh, uh, roots, and the uh, kind of Fabian uh, idea that Israel was going to be a progressive. A form of colonialism with exactly. kibbutzim yeah. and the Histadrut having its own bank uh, and uh, so on, the trade union having the, its own bank. I, I lived through that, although they always tolerated the presence of people mainly on the right of the Labour Party, like Andrew Folds and others, uh, who took a pro-Palestinian, or they, they, they would yeah. be then described as pro-Arab. Uh, th that yeah. was always tolerated on the Labour benches. Um, and, but Ed Miliband's era, himself Jewish, uh, a father who was an intellectual titan, uh, Ralph Miliband of uh, left-wing politics, he was Jewish but not Zionist, uh, mm. and even he was attacked. I remember the B-list actress, uh, mm. Maureen Lipman, uh, who mm. she resigned from the Labour Party over Ed yeah. Miliband agreeing that Labour wanted to recognise a Palestinian state. So um, it kind of predated Corbyn in that way. I'm just wondering Absolutely. if you had a, a notion or if in your book you chart 
when this infatuation became what I call it an obsession. Yeah, I do get into a lot of that in the book, and I do mention the the, the precedent of uh, Ed Miliband, and it, you know it's, it's a really interesting uh, history that you raised there, and I do get into some of it, um, and I, I chart the history of some of that. And the, the Maury Lippman thing is funny because you know that she left uh, allegedly left the Labour Party for the first time during uh, the Ed Miliband era precisely because of his, as as you said, support for a Palestinian state. Uh, and then that was said to be, you know, ooh, uh, there's, you know, an anti-Semitism problem it, for Ed Miliband. Not not to the same extent that there was for Jeremy Corbyn, but it was there, oh. definitely. Um, but Maureen Lippmann then, uh, several years, four years later, um, in the 2019 election, repeated the trick of abandoning the Labour Party um, because of uh, Jeremy Corbyn, what she claimed was anti-Semitism. Um, so it is, uh, it, yeah, it's it's a real uh, it's a real puzzle that the, you know the media has this sort of uh, sh- really uh, short-term memory. I think as well that uh, yeah, it's an interesting question of when when did it start? Like you can you can uh, trace it back to. Um, uh, one turning point was 1956, of course, which was the um, the the you know what the Palestinians and the Egyptians call the tripartite aggression against Egypt, where um, France, Britain, um, and Israel conspired to invade Egypt. Um, you know, in this, uh, it was uh, it was uh, complicated, but that, essentially that that's what it boiled down to: it was a tripartite invasion. Um, of of the Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, and so forth, um, by yeah the by Suez the Suez Israel. crisis. Yes, exactly the Suez crisis, as it's known in the West, um, and um, uh, ultimately that was um, you know rolled back by the Americans, ironically, who weren't as fully on board with Israel as they are now, um, and uh, that. Very slight difference. There was then a slight difference of opinion between um, Labour and the Conservatives over that, because the Conservatives obviously were <laughs> taking part in that invasion, as you know. Um, but um, the, the Labour Party didn't agree, disagree with it. I, I mean, you know all this history, George, but it's interesting for your viewers, I'm sure, that um, the, the Labour Party opposed it not on principle, but on the narrow ground, on certain narrow grounds of it being not in the best um, British uh, interest. Uh, you know, no, no time to get into the whole thing of it. Um, I get into it a little bit in the book, but then that set about the first um, break in within the Labour Party grassroots and in certain political activist sectors and the pro-Israel side. And that's when Labour Friends of Israel was actually founded, was after the... Um, uh, after the, the the so-called Suez crisis, and so um, you know, there's a history of these pro-Israel groups, and in a way, ironically, although they they're very strong, they're very influential, they're very powerful. They got, they got a lot of money behind them. We don't know how much. You know, it's, this is another difference with America. There's like far less transparency with these groups, like Labour Friends of Israel, Conservative Friends of Israel. We know they have a lot of money, but we don't know um, exactly how much. Um, they. Um, th- th- ironically in some ways the fact that they're needed is kind of a uh, a sign of weakness uh, certainly on the popular level because it shows that if it wasn't for all these kind of groups they wouldn't have the same level of of support that they do it sounds a fascinating book Asa. how can people get it um well it's in all good bookshops you can buy it online um in you know all good uh, retailers um but um probably the best way is to get it straight from the publisher um all books is orbooks.com um and uh, yeah you can buy it buy it there fantastic look forward to it thank you very much Asa Win Stanley an expert on both Israel and the Labour Party and the nexus between the two You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. It's Prince in Texas on the UK election. I told you, it's a global university of the airwaves. Go ahead, Prince. Um, 
So, well, it's the U.S. election. I just have one few things, something to say about that. Uh, no mentally sane person can argue that Joe Biden is not even remotely close to being the president running the United States. I mean, you, you just can take a look at the guy. He barely even knows what day of the week it is. But you can see, uh, if you look at the election polls, it's clear that with this, you know, genocide going on, I don't call it a war, it's genocide going on in Gaza, it is almost clear, 100%, that um, he's not going to win. But you see, he's not worried about it. It means there's something that they know that we don't know, that we do not know, you know, and so much for democracy. Yeah, yeah, so there's something yeah. that they know that we don't know, and uh, he's not worried about it. He knows that he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna win. But you know, come that, that day and that time, he's gonna win. I mean, the fact that he's not worried about it should tell us something. But I, I digress from there. Um, when I look at the, the coverage, because I stopped, you know, just watching those videos because, you know, as a dad, I, I cannot even watch those videos anymore. You see those kids in there. But it tells you something more. There are two good things that have come up from this. Uh, you know, there's always a silver lining. The first one is, uh, of course, you can tell my actors, born in Africa. We grew up being told about the Western civilization and, hippo and uh, all those stuff. Like Malcolm X once said, he's never seen Western civilization or Western democracy. He's always seen Western hypocrisy. You see, those are the things that were cloaked to, to oppress the uh, non-white people of the world. The, so all those things are things that I've concocted for a while, but this has kind of opened the shade on everybody because we live in an era where everybody can see it. Because if you talk to even people in Africa, now they've seen clearly that there's no such thing as human rights. There's no such thing as Western civilization. All of those things are just euphemisms. They're just useless words that mean nothing. Because, you know, so that's the beautiful thing about the thing about Palestine. Because you hear people go on TV and tell you that it's a response, it's a response to January uh, to uh, October seventh. They don't, be, but that's assuming that before October seventh everything was okay. Then the last one I have to make, George, is that uh, you know the the problem I have most is with the liberal Zionists and uh, just the Western liberals as a whole because they're a bunch of hypocrites. You hear them say things like, "Oh, we need to just stop the fighting." That stopping the fighting is not going to stop the problem because if you stop the problem, the fighting without actually no. addressing the root issue, it's not. It's going to come back again. The root. You're the not, you're you're, you're 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 absolutely right, uh, Prince. Thanks for the call. We've reached the hour. Uh, I've lived through so many ceasefires I couldn't count them, uh, but they're always uh, followed by a resumption of fire and blood and suffering, and so. Whilst I hope uh, here in Britain that in the British Parliament next week uh, when the uh, Scottish National Party, of which I'm not a fan, but they have been uh, the best party in Britain on this question over the last uh, 130 days, they're introducing a motion uh, uh, to Parliament next week uh, demanding an immediate ceasefire. And of course, I hope that it passes, although it will have no meaningful impact even on our own government, never mind on Netanyahu government. But it is symbolic and it should be done. But a ceasefire is necessary but not sufficient. There have been too many ceasefires followed by more horror, terror, suffering. We need a ceasefire and an immediate withdrawal from the Gaza Strip of all Israeli forces. We need a United Nations presence inside the Gaza Strip to make sure that nothing like this can ever happen again. And we need an immediate, immediate international conference to found a Palestinian state. We need to begin this operant, operating from outside of this body because this body is not capable of either resolving the matter or existing without external support. Here's my point. If your country cannot survive without the taxpayers' money from other countries, without the economic, social, cultural acceptance of other countries, if it would wither on the vine and no longer exist, if the U.S. taxpayer didn't send it, $3.8 billion every year, if that is your sovereign country, then you are not and cannot be allowed to break international law with the impunity that you have enjoyed thus far. And therefore, Israel will have to change 
or be changed. Be changed from outside by the people who make it all possible in the first place. So, yes, cease fire now. But don't imagine for a moment that that is sufficient to avoid having to watch all these pictures all over again. Well, it's Valentine's night. Thanks for being with me on such a night. Thanks to my good wife for working with me throughout this show this evening. And I do hope the chip shops are still open and we might even get a chunky chicken. Thanks for being with me. Join me again on Sunday for the mother of all talk shows and bring another viewer with you. Why don't you? Good night. <laughs>